Good evening. Uh, this is Carl and Sean, and we have a special guest today. So one of our dad bods had to work late tonight, but uh, Patrick Tromley has joined us tonight, and he's uh, a mindset coach. Kind of a cool concept. Uh, some people call it life coach, but um, I, I like the word mindset. What do you think, Sean? You like that too? I think mindset is great. It's, it's a little bit different than what uh, some other people are using so being unique is always good i think what do you what do you uh think about that patrick you the uniqueness of it i well i i think it is very unique because it is a different approach that i take than most life coaches let's say so i i, I focus on really building up that mental strength and that correct point of view and really just trying to become the best version possible and then and when you do that that's going to spill into all areas of your life so there's the similarity there in life coach, but it all starts with mindset. Well, let's get to know you a little bit. Um, I'll just have a couple quick introduction questions, kind of get to hear your background story and, uh, and then how you got into this whole fitness and mental mindset coaching. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you're at now, and then kind of how you matriculated. Some of your story is actually pretty familiar because I was in the mortgage business myself. So go ahead and and just I'll let you go, and then we'll ask you questions throughout, okay? Sure. So I was born and raised in San Diego, San Diego, California. Moved out to Queen Creek, Arizona in October of 2019. So we've been here about three and a half years now. Um, in terms of my career, I started in the mortgage industry when I was 14. My mom was in the industry. So I started on the back end in shipping, insuring, packaging files up, putting them in boxes and, and moving the files, the boxes along. Um, fast forward to college, I worked all through high school and college on the night crew, doing that same kind of thing, different operations positions. Then when I graduated college in 2006, I went full-time into being a wholesale account executive. So I was the bank rep working with brokers, bringing loans into the bank uh, so that we could help borrowers either buy or refinance. And then, as you know, in 2008, stuff kind of hit the fan there. Mortgage meltdown happened. I had been married... Well, not quite married yet. So I've been with my girlfriend at the time for a while. And I was at Washington Mutual. Washington Mutual got shut down. Had to quickly wow. scramble to find a new bank to go work for. Uh, found Home Savings of America. And both Alina, my wife now, and I ended up going to work there. And then about 18 months after working there, we'd had our, we got married and had our first son. And the feds, the FDIC came in, knocking on the door, kicked the doors in essentially, and told everybody to back away from your desk, hands up, don't touch anything. Ended up shutting that company down as well. And at that point, I had kind of become, not overwhelmed, but I, I, I'd had enough. That's a better way to say it. I'd had enough of being at the, the will of somebody else. So I really wanted to take control of my career, my life, for my family. So I went into the investing side. So I, done a couple flips prior to that. So I had some experience, but then went in full time. Didn't really know what I was getting into because that's a vastly different side of the business than, than being a lender. So I hired a mentor who is a good friend now and still a mentor. And he showed me the ropes, show, really educated me on how to best become a real estate investor, all the different ed exit strategies of, available. And then through there, I, I really did, really found the self-development path and 
kind of went all in on that just to try and be the best investor I could be initially. So my whole goal being a lender and being an investor was to make as much money as possible, right? Not necessarily the best motive, but having grown up in the mortgage industry, that was a very doable thing to make a lot of money pretty quickly, pretty easily. And going down that personal development route, I hired another mentor to really help me get better at being me, being a, a better individual. And he shifted me, my focus from, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you, and because I went through a similar experience when the, it collapsed in 2008, it was very stressful on the marriage. Um, I mean, yeah. income just dropped precipitously from where it was before. It was, I mean, it you was remember huge. the old days where you could just walk in the office and make money. Um, and then the whole bottom fell out of the whole market. And on top of it, the fear of, did I, did I run some loans that I'm going to get in trouble for now? You know, right. even though you probably, are they going to come after me? Yeah. When's there, the cops going to show up at my house, you know? And, yeah. uh, and I know the stress was tough on my ex. Um, I mean, tell me how you navigated that with your, your wife. Well, funny story is my wife was one of my first broker's daughters. And I joke and say that that was the best deal I ever closed was marrying my wife because he was a, a shark kind of broker, a real balls to the wall, hard ass kind of guy that you mess around, you didn't get a second chance kind of guy. And so it was a, a weird deal for me to go after let's say and my boss at the time was good friends with him and he warned me like i wouldn't do that kind of thing and i'm like ah, well let's let's just see um but after that you know after home savings shut down i made that year i think thirty five thousand dollars. so i went from being on top of the world my first two and a half for three years out of college making six figures thinking i was the shit and i'm the man kind of situation and then had my legs taken out from underneath me and made 35,000. I was completely relying on my wife or my girlfriend at the time to support me financially. And so that, that was a big gut punch. You know, you go from thinking you are the man to you're not a man because you can't support yourself, let alone your lady. So it, right. it was a very humbling experience there for me. And that was one of the, the main factors. Like I said, I wanted to take control because when you work for somebody else, you really are at their at the whim of what they want to do. So that was a big force of pushing me into going into the investing side was to take control to make money so that I could, you know, retake my throne, I guess, as the king of the relationship and be the leader and be the man of the relationship and provide for my, my lady. So it was, yeah, it was, it was stressful. I mean, to say the least, and it was very disheartening. I, I felt like I was failing and financially I was. So it, well, it I was... think I think I, I think there's going to be some others that are going to feel that pretty soon when we go through this recession that's coming up this year. Um, it, it sounds like it. You know, I still have my mom still in the business. Um, they there's companies that are closing. <clears throat> They're not. It's very reminiscent of 2008. I don't think it's uh, how did... necessarily Sorry. as bad. I was going to ask you. Um, you think it's not going to be as bad? But um, there's some new rules that are coming in place where um, people people who are uh, good with paying their bills yeah. are essentially being penalized, and people who don't pay the bills are being subsidized. So 
my my own opinion on that is that that's going to invite in some similar issues as the the previous mortgage meltdown. So, I agree. You know, what, I agree. What I are think your thoughts that is, on that? Yeah, I think that's sad, honestly, to say the least. It's it's a sad thing that the government thinks they need to. And you look back at the 2008, there was the CRA, the Community Reinvestment Act. And that was very similar to what is kind of happening here is low to moderate income borrowers, people that really shouldn't have qualified for loans, they didn't have enough money to, to re repay, were given loans because the government incentivized lenders to lend to those borrowers. It's similar to what's happening here. Now you have the the high higher credit profile borrowers who have shown a history of making their payments on time, who've shown that they're credit worthy, are getting tagged with, a, I think it was like a 1.75 fee hit. So a, a 1.75 points that additionally they would have to pay. And mm -hmm. lower income, not lower income, but lower credit profile borrowers are getting the exact opposite. They're getting a discount of 1.75. So that to me just doesn't logically make sense. The reason why I say I don't think it's going to be as bad is because since 2010-ish or so, we've had the essentially the Frank Dodd Act, right? Where you have to document your ability to repay. The loans made since then up until now have been much more sound underwriting wise. They have had to show that they make the money. We are starting to see some loans, well, maybe not now, but it's, a year or two ago, you're starting to see some of the, not necessarily stated loans, but bank statement loans and the, the ones that are a little more risky come back to the forefront. But I still think overall the quality of loans done since the crash up until within the last year or so are going to be performing better. They're, they're, borrowers have more skin in the game. There's not 100% financing. There's still some low down programs, but it's not 100% financing with a 600 credit score with on stated income that right there you think just... i yeah i agree with you i think there's there's a definite improvement in underwriting requirements and and loan qualification requirements however what i'm concerned about is the overall health of the economy we're yeah. seeing a lot of change um this new chat G gpt hasn't really even set in yet and probably won't for a little longer but and you know how things are with the economy they take a while to matriculate and sure. affect everybody um my big concern is there's going to be a lot of transition, especially my age, um, 45 to 60. Um, and, and and even with the younger generation, too, because they have never been through a bad uh, 2008, 2009 type scenario. Um, so I guess the question is, what kind of mindset are we going to have to develop over the next year or two to get through this? That's a good question. So the, the way I view this kind of stuff is it's very, I pull from stoicism here, right? I focus on what I can control. So I will do everything I can to be the best version of me, control what I can control and let stuff beyond my control. It is what it is, right? I, I have no influence on it. I cannot stop it from happening. I cannot cause it to happen. All I can control is how I react to those things happening and how I position myself so that I can either avoid those if possible or be ready to confront them head on and, and attack them. It's, it's really all that we can do, you know, it, with the, the forces that are in control, the government and whoever else, the big lending institutions, the big investment banks, we can't control what they're going to do. You can see kind of what they're, they're planning. You got BlackRock 
trying to be, you know, the the world's landlord essentially and, and own a lot of the single family housing. You have the government doing what you just mentioned, Sean, with the the credit borrowers or the credit profiles, the the high credit profiles being taxed for the benefit of the lower credit profile. So with all that stuff going on and we have no control over it, I will focus on what I can do to put my family in the best position. And that's what I'm going to coach my people on as well is, Hey, there's stuff's going to happen. We have no control over that, but what you can do is prepare yourself mentally, take the hard path now so that when the life throws the curveballs at you, when it throws the hurdles at you, you are already mentally prepared to attack that and, and overcome it. So what are some of the ways, some of the things that, uh, that you, uh, talk to people that you're working with about how to actually accomplish the, some of that taking control, um, what you can control, how do you, how do you help a person prepare to be able to do that sort of thing when they haven't been in the past and they may be one of those people who are benefiting from the subsidization of the, you know, those, those type of mortgages. So how do you get them out of that and, and into. So really, I think it starts with building discipline, right? Everything starts with being disciplined and that's going to affect all of your areas. And, and the most basic form of discipline is with what we eat, right? Controlling what we put into our bodies is the most basic form of discipline. So I would approach that by saying, let's work on ourselves first, right? Let's work on what we're eating, how we're eating, what kind of food we're eating, our health. Are we doing any kind of physical training as well? And by following a, a regimented nutrition plan, call it a diet, call it nutrition plan, whatever you want to term it. But if you're following a, a blueprint for both your nutrition and your physical training, when you adhere to those blueprints, you're building that discipline. And that discipline that you build by following either a macro plan or whatever your nutrition plan is, and then following a regimented physical training plan, whatever that might be, if it's lifting weights, if it's doing cardio, if it's whatever it is, as long as you adhere to the plan, you're building the most basic form of discipline. Then that mm -hmm. form of discipline is going to spill out into all the other areas of your life because the facts or the, the effort and the discipline that you have to have to maintain a diet and maintain a physical program for an extended period of time is it's hard to do right so if you don't have discipline you're going to quit you're going to fail you're not going to adhere to that blueprint so it starts with as simple as as what we put in our mouth right so i started so the patrick, bottom and, and build our way up so patrick let's take a scenario i'd like to role play for a second sure. i come to you and uh and I actually should. <laughs> Maybe after this we can talk. But uh, um, I have zero willpower. And uh, let's say I'm, well, this is actually pretty close. I don't do a lot of physical activity except roll up to work and roll home. Maybe walk from the parking lot to my desk and back to the parking lot and then uh, to my house and back. Uh, maybe a couple things on the weekend. But uh Let's, let's say, okay, Patrick, I want to learn discipline. I'm going all out on this baby. Whatever this uh, program is you want to throw at me. Uh, typically, I see myself and a lot of others jump in 
with good intentions, wanting to accomplish what they want to accomplish, which is lose weight or feel healthy because they're getting healthy because they're doing the job or getting it done. Um, sometimes like, oh, uh, a scare tactic from the doctor works a little bit longer than normal cycles. But most of the time we get, you know, into this diet mode or physical fitness mode and it lasts like we see it every new year, a couple weeks. So, uh, and I think a lot of it's an overwhelm. Uh, we don't realize what's all involved. I mean, you're, sure. you're talking about a lot of stuff your body's not used to or your mindset's not used to or you know your body's not used to as far as the food or maybe you don't have the budget where you thought you did okay so let's start from ground zero what's your method in getting someone that's very undisciplined or been a little chaotic in their life how do you get them on the right path i'd like to hear kind of so we start with the we start with the end in mind our goal is to okay. create the ideal individual, right? Your ideal individual is going to be different than Sean's, which is different than mine. So we all are going to work together to create our ideal individual. And that what we, we call that or refer to that as the long view. You always have to keep the long view in mind. Motivation is going to come and go. Motivation is not anything to rely on, right? Because as you said, a couple of weeks in, it starts to get hard. There's unforeseen circumstances that pop up that throw you off course. You maybe take a day off and then you end up not going back. Motivation is not what we want. It's the discipline, right? So we start by creating in our mind, this guy, Carl is, wants to be this, this guy who has these qualities, these attributes. And every day you work 1%, you're looking for 1% improvement towards becoming that guy. So we start with the food, right? You're going to have a meal plan. It's going to be difficult for some people at first to follow. But when it gets difficult, we have to remember why we started. The problem is a lot of people are comfortable. They're complacent and they don't want to put in work, right? Because it's hard. And I understand that. I was soft and squishy too, but it came to a point where I look at my three sons. I have three sons, right? So they are going to mirror and either emulate or complete what I do, right? So if I'm showing them hey, it's okay to be lazy. It's okay just to sit and watch Netflix and binge. It's okay just to shove all kinds of crap food in your mouth and be unhealthy. Chances are they're going to replicate that as they grow. So I look at my kids as, for lack of a better term, for motivation. It's, it's the reminder that, hey, I have people that are depending on me to show them not only how to live, but what to do to live the best life, to become the most elite individual that they can be because they're going to have families, right? So I have to prime them and prepare them not only for their lives, but for their family's lives. And that to me, like the effect that this will have, it's not just on one life, it's on potentially four or five, 10, 15 other lives that are directly related to me. And then everybody- It's a generational that thing. Exactly right. Exactly right, right? Because I'll have a wife, they may have one or two or three kids. So there's five there and I have three kids. There's easily 15 kids or 15 lives, right? So- to me, that is my ultimate motivation, my pushing factor that I always rely back on. If I'm feeling tired or if I've had a shitty day for whatever reason, my purpose is to be the example for my kids. So I always put my purpose over my pleasure. My pleasure could be sitting on the couch and watching a show, watching a game, whatever it might be. That's what I want to do. But what I want is really irrelevant. I have a role and a responsibility that I have to fulfill because I have four lives alone in this house that depend on me. 
And then, like we mentioned, so that's we what you to... remind yourself when you're wanting to just take a break, or yeah, oh, you exactly know, right? Yeah, and I get up, I get up at okay. two fifty every morning, two fifty to three o'clock every morning. A lot of times, I don't want to get up that early. I would rather sleep till wow. six, seven o'clock. But the thing is, from three o'clock to six o'clock, that's my time to work on myself. That's my time for self development. That's my time to to build myself up because as soon as the kids are up, it's not about me anymore. And that's where I bring the stoicism in. It's, it's purpose over pleasure. My purpose is my family. It's to be that leader, to be that husband and that father. And I won't let stuff get in the way of that because it's not what I want. It's what they, what they need. And my purpose is to provide, protect, and preside over my family. So when, um, when, do, you, when do you go to sleep? Um, do you get an eight-hour night? Do you get oh, six? No. no. So you, I, I'm going to bed, worst case, about 10.30 ideally about 9 30 i'm averaging probably about four and a half hours sleep a night wow but that's a tough schedule <laughs> it, it was at first but, but i've i've gotten into a groove where it just it is what it is right this is what i have to do to be the best that i can be for them it's not about me i keep saying that but that's really how i view these things i'll be tired at the end of the day my six-year-old will want to go to the park i'd rather sit back and just kind of veg out for an hour but as soon as I say no, he's going to be crushed, right? And that's being selfish, in my opinion. But when I say yes, let's go, grab your shoes, his face lights up. It's the it's like Christmas. And it's for 30 to 45 minutes at the park, climbing up the jungle gym, up and down the slide. The joy that he gets out of that makes it completely worth it to me. There's nothing better than, than seeing that. With what you said earlier, when you do that for your kids they learn uh, from you and generationally that will affect other people. So they'll want to be what their father was. And that's, that's great. That's really that's the great. Goal. That's, that's the goal is to really, I feel that if I do my job properly, my boys will want to bring their kids around when I'm old and crusty and, and decrepit, hopefully, the training and everything I'm doing delays that as long as possible. But as I get older, I want them to be like, yeah, let's go hang out with that. Right. Like they know that I put the effort into them to not always be their friend, but to be the example of what a dad should be to them, to be the example for what a husband. So they treat their wives properly to be the example of a leader. Right. All these things are what men are supposed to do. And if I do my job right, they will recognize that. Maybe not in the moment now, but as they have kids of their own, as they grow to be men, they will see, oh, that's why he did this. I get it now. And then hopefully they emulate that and push it forward. And then they show others to do the same. So I, I really like what you're saying as far as uh, responsibilities of, of a man to his children and, and to his wife. Um, what what do you say to people that um, that – tell you or tell anybody that has that mindset that's uh that's very patriarchal that's something that um is out of place nowadays and men shouldn't have those types of goals anymore because it's 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 uh it shows domination uh, of a family or to women or uh to to children so i'm a christian and i believe in God's teachings that the man is the head of the household. The man is supposed to lead that household. I honestly believe if we had more situations or more families structured this way, the country would be in a much better position. 
we've become soft as a society our men are a lot of times they're not men they may have the y chromosome but they do not do what a man does and if that upsets people i'm sorry but that's what i believe strong men lead properly they provide it's not a dominant thing it's a leading thing follow me and i will show you i will support you it's a partnership between me and my wife I lead, she also leads in certain aspects, but when it comes down to it, I'm the man of the family and she is my partner. We're equal. Yeah, and I was going to say, this is a lot different than the Adam Tate philosophy you see on on the internet. Um, you're, you're, it sounds like to me it's a very fundamental Christian uh, belief pattern that you have about a man's role, correct? Yeah. Or am I, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that's that's accurate because I believe that we are that's what we're supposed to do that's what i was created to do was to lead my family i operate under the three p's for my family provide protect preside presiding is leading right that's what we're supposed to do if i don't do my job properly my kids are not going to do their jobs properly because they're men or they will be men and if they don't have the example of a strong man they will end up dependent on the state they'll end up in jail they'll end up dead whatever it might be because they didn't have the right example of how to live and I think our culture is pushing this, be a strong woman, be a feminist. Uh, but as far as men, don't be toxic. Uh, but you don't hear that positive uh, in, uh, mindset that you're talking about uh, with Ben. And I think we need more leaders like yourself that can lead these young men. Um, more you of know, a focus I, I, in our... I think you're you exactly know. right. Masculinity has been, has been attacked. And I'll put on my tinfoil hat here, but this is done on purpose. This is to allow this, the state, in my opinion, to be dad, to be the leader of the family. It causes people to be reliant on the government instead of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'll be damned if my family is going to be reliant on the government. Government has its purpose, has its roles, but it's not inside my house. And I think if we had a lot more families that were independent, that were self-sustaining, quality of life for everybody would be better. Good point. I, I really liked that uh, you included in in uh, good or proper roles of men, um, also including that um, it's not a domination thing; it's a partnership. Yeah. And a, a real relationship is a partnership. It's not where one is controlling the other at all. And and I think that um, I think that some people get confused that if you want to be a good man and you want to take care of your family, that that's not trying to be a controlling uh, person or a, a controlling figure, but a, a person who wants to include their partner with uh with the things that they're doing and and just want to make sure that the good things that they want to happen are in fact happening and uh it it has nothing to do with d domination not at all i i consider myself a servant leader i'm here to serve my wife right and part of my job as the masculine energy of the relationship is to lead and i she is 100% in, in control of herself and what she does. I don't force her to do anything. But because I fulfill my roles and responsibilities, she supports me. If I were to abdicate my roles, abdicate my responsibilities, I would put more work on her. 
not only does she have to mm -hmm. do her duties, but then she would have to do part of my job as well. And that is what a lot of men do. They let their wife handle it because they know she's going to, because most wives are badasses and they handle their shit where a lot of guys are like, uh, she'll handle it. And they let them do that. And I think that's a huge issue that we have. Women are strong. They are stronger Women are than very, a, they are they're, um, mentally. I mean, they're some of the strongest people that I've ever met. My wife absolutely. is an ultimate badass. Like she, I am lucky to have her as my partner. She gives me the strength to be able to do what I'm supposed to do because I know that she is strong, that she can handle her business and support me. So it's a, a symbiotic relationship. So there's yeah, a, think, I'm sorry. I was Carl, say, Sean, uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think there's this, um, there's this, uh, it, it's kind of like our culture right now, the, the Republicans, the Democrats, there's this uh, gender um, division occurring where you have your feminists uh, that believe in, you know, these toxic males that believe most, you know, males should, should just step back. And then you have the red pill guys that I see too now. Uh, they're developing their own cult, their own tribe. And I think the problem is we're becoming more fractioned uh, based on uh, these ideologies we throw at each other when in reality, what you're talking about would be, is what we really should be looking at is helping other males see where their role is and how to be effective partners and effective leaders in their homes. And uh, I just don't see a lot of that going on except for in religion, uh, religious situations. But uh, uh, it sounds like exactly you do that right. with your coaching practice, correct? Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think God has been removed from schools. It's been removed from the public theater, right? And because of that, we don't, a lot of us don't have a moral compass. There's no right and wrong. There's apparently no genders anymore, according to some people, which that's a whole nother podcast, I would imagine. It, <laughs> when there is a problem in a relationship, I always look for my guys and myself, right? My clients, if they're having an issue with their wife, I don't start asking what she's doing. I ask them what they're not doing. What are you not doing? What role are you not fulfilling? What responsibility are you abdicating to your wife? Because if that you goes start back to your theory of uh, having to deal with the things that you can control and you only can control. Exactly right. 100%. Because if you're not controlling yourself, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not becoming the best version of you and then giving that person to your wife and your family. How can you blame anybody else for anything? That's, that's, that's crazy point. to me. It's crazy. You're not doing your job. So why would she do her job? And the chances are she's going to do her job and yours anyway, but she's going to build up resentment towards you because you're causing more work. You're being a weak individual. You're being a weak leader and you're forcing her to have to, to handle your business when she's looking for a partner, not another child. You have these man child guys that are, are trying to lead families and they get upset when their wife won't hug them or won't, you know, get physical with them. And it's like, well, look at you, you're, you're her third kid or her fourth kid. And why probably resent you? you? Yeah. hundred percent. She does. Yeah. She does. And she has every right to. So it's, it's, a balance, kind right? of... it's a balance between, you know, light and dark, good and bad. There's a balance in everything. And if that, that balance is not there, 
issues happen. People get resentful. People end up looking elsewhere, right? She's starting to look elsewhere for somebody that's actually going to fulfill her needs instead of be selfish and focused on them. It all starts with self, right? Control what you can control. And that's you being you and doing what you are supposed to do without any regard for your feelings. Because I don't know the way I say it and excuse my language, but fuck your feelings. You got shit to do. Your feelings are irrelevant. You have stuff that you have to get done and it needs to be done no matter what. Otherwise, you're going to put it on your wife or you're going to leave your kids out and hang them out to dry. That's not acceptable to me in any circumstance. So that's how I operate. And that's what I preach to my guys is, look, you got stuff to do. You may be tired. You may be sick. You may be hurt. I, I, I don't care. Neither do your kids. They need something from you and you need to give it to them. That's just what you're supposed to do. And that's that purpose over pleasure again. Now, let, let me ask you a little bit about your uh, practice, too, because I'd like to t uh, let our audience know what you do sure. specifically. Um, and also how to get a hold of you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how um, we what kind of a course you would teach, maybe uh, so kind of walk us through. Yeah. So I, I offer two different coaching programs, right? One is a group program and one is a one on one program. In both programs, we obviously will have a, a weekly check in. That's where the difference is really is there's a weekly group check in or a one on one check in similar to this. What we do is we go over I, I will create a nutrition blueprint and a training blueprint and then daily non-negotiable tasks that must be done by doing these tasks and following these blueprints. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. You start to build discipline. And from that, we push and we continuously push. You make your life as hard as possible on purpose. You're inoculating yourself against the stress of life. And by doing that, you build yourself up. I also help them find their purpose. And to me, everybody starts with the purpose of being their best self, right? Creating their ideal individual, like I mentioned earlier. And then once you create that guy, your job is to give that person to the world. You're there to serve. So we go through the process of hitting your macro goals, hitting your training, hitting your non-negotiables, and we repeat that daily. The goal is to not miss. I don't miss when I do that. When I miss, it messes me up, right? I have missed three workouts, or sorry, three wake-ups in the last six months. I've gotten up late in the last six months three times. And it, it kind of threw my day off, right, a little bit. So now I don't have that three hours in the morning. I only have two hours. And so that extra hour that I lost is, is negative for me. It's a, a, a debt. I go through my morning process as a way of preparing my mind for the day. And I, if I miss it, it can throw my whole day off. However, when I do miss it, I don't let it throw my day off because I get right back into where I should be at that point because stuff's going to happen. You're going to have your cell phone not go off, your alarm not go off, power might go out, whatever it might be. Something's going to happen. That's what life is. It's, it's a bunch of hurdles and obstacles that we have to overcome. So you have to focus on trying not to miss as much as possible. And so that's really what we do is we have these calls. I, I'll ask, hey, who's got questions? What questions? What are you struggling with? How can I help you? Where are you missing? What aren't you doing that's on the blueprint? And a lot of times that's, that's where I'm going to start is, okay, you're having this problem. What aren't you doing? There's something that you're missing. And a lot of times, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not, I'm not eating right or I'm not training right or uh, it, it boils down to, like I said earlier, the, the most simplest forms of discipline is what we put in our mouth and then how we train, how we act, what we do. 
And so if we're struggling on one area, I can probably trace it back to you either had a cheat meal when you weren't supposed to, or you're just not even trying on the food because food, in my opinion, and chemically, it's a drug, right? It changes our hormonal state internally. And so if we're eating shit food and, and low quality processed food, one, it messes with your internal state and makes you feel bad physically. You'll get bloated. You'll be lethargic. Mentally, it clouds your brain. You have a brain fog. You're not firing as quickly as you're supposed to. So the whole point of, of tracking those macros is one, to build discipline and two, to make you feel good, right? Because when we feel good, we operate at a higher level. And when we operate at a higher level, we move our consciousness up and we become a better individual. So the goal is to consistently ascend that ladder of consciousness vibrations to try and be at the highest level possible, which for us is going to be operating that love frequency. And when we're operating that love frequency, we're there as a servant. We're the best version of ourselves. We focus on ourselves so that we can give that person to the world. And really it's, it's, it's that in a nutshell, right? That's what we do is we try and create that elite individual, that ideal individual and give him to the world. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Almost sounds like I'd be joining the military. <laughs> you know, there's, I, I don't have a coddling approach, right? I'm not the one that's going to be like, Hey, it's okay. You know what you tried because in my opinion, that approach has gotten us to where we're at. We have too many individuals that are soft, that are, or weak, my mentor would call him a broad of a man, right? He's just a puss. You, you have no backbone. You're not really doing what you know you're supposed to do. And, and we all know what we're supposed to do, right? We all have a conscience. And in my opinion, our conscience is the authentic voice of our creator telling us where we should be going, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And most of us choose to ignore that voice. And we feel it, right? We feel inside that something's not right. And chances are it's, it's because you're not listening to your conscience. And so it, all of that wrapped up is really what my programs are. And that's what we try and do because when an individual individual aligns with their thoughts and words and actions with their purpose or what their conscience is telling them, they feel right. And like I said, when you feel right and you feel good, you start to ascend that consciousness vibration ladder. You're feeling good. You're acting better. You're going up higher towards that love vibration. And once you hit that, everything that you're doing is, has the correct motivations, has the correct intentions. And nine times out of 10, it's going to bring others with you. You're going to lift your family up with you, you're, the people that you interact with. And so it's kind of like a collective thing that you're, again, leading the way because you're doing what you're supposed to do and you're pushing forward to, to get better. Great points. Well, how can they get hold of you, Patrick? Uh, give us your... Um... Instagram uh, page and then maybe uh, a website address and then we'll put this on our website too. Um, sure. And we'll have it, you know, in digital form so they can link to it. But uh, why don't you verbally give us that information of how they could contact you? Sure. I'm on Instagram at the level up dad, the level up dad. And I do not have a website, but I do post everything to Instagram. I post my daily routine so that I'm really there trying to show people what's possible. Right. That's why I document it. I show my morning routine. I show what I do throughout the day. I show the interactions with my kids. I show what my wife and I do. I really try and bring people along so that they can see that it's possible. They can do the same things that I'm doing. I'm nothing special. I'm just a regular guy, but I found my purpose and now I will not be deterred from fulfilling that purpose. It, 
in terms of contact though i'll give you my cell phone number because i put it out there on instagram as well you can call or text the number is 619-913-8860 awesome man well hey we've loved having you on um in fact uh you might be hearing from me uh there's some uh mid well i'm in the dating right now uh part of my life again so i'm trying to find mrs right but i need to be mr right exactly right um, when a man is right his world is right so if there's something that's not right we need to look at ourselves and it all starts with self-development yeah good exactly that's a good great phrase actually yeah that's not mine that's my mentors i can't take credit for that one but he he's he he hits it on the head with that and so i operate underneath that like it, if you're not right something in your world isn't right i guarantee it guarantee it well hey we appreciate your time tonight and uh wish you the best in your your business and uh and help changing the culture i right, we i really love that that's that's the goal right I, i'm here to help as many people as i can and it's not just men these principles apply to women as well it's just different roles and different responsibilities the same idea applies. You want to create the most elite woman and give that woman to your family. So that's my goal is to help thousands of people. I I love what I'm doing now and seeing the effect, the positive effect it's having on not only my clients, but my clients' kids and their spouses and, and just the relationships that are, are being positively affected because my clients are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's, it's awesome. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate your guys' time. Oh, we appreciate you. Thank you. And maybe d- down the road, we'll have you on again. Thank you. Have a great night, though.